Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I have my guest, Chris Miles, and let me tell you a little bit about Chris. He is the cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. He's leading authority in teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get money working for them today. He is an author, podcast host of the Money Ripples podcast, has been featured in U.S. News, CNN Money, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Bigger Pockets, and has proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, getting his clients fast financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by $300 million in the last 13 years. I chose the theme today. I know this is going to capture capture everyone's attention. Seven secrets to free up cash today. Please join me in welcoming Chris Miles to tell us just how we're going to do that. Hey, Chris. Hey, Vicki. Glad to be here. So, Chris, we always start with the easy question, which is, where do you call home? Utah. Now, although I grew up in Oregon, moved out to Utah oh. almost a quarter century ago. It makes me sound old when I say it that way. Yeah, but, uh, well. moved out here and, <laughs> and had a bunch of kids and got stuck here ever since. Ah, uh, you miss the ocean? I do. I yeah. miss it a lot. I miss green yeah. too. Although this yeah. is the greenest year I've, I've ever seen in Utah. Yeah, but nothing green like that Oregon, Seattle area. Goodness gracious, beautiful mm-hmm. area. All right, well, you'll get out there again. I'm sure. <laughs> retirement's probably around a bend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've retired twice. I'm still stuck here. So what does that tell you? <laughs> oh no. Well, that's with, with me too. I have grandchildren now and it's one of those things where I thought, well, I'll spend some time in Europe or I'll go here. And then I thought, mm-hmm. no, it's, I hate being an hour away from my grandbabies, let alone a country away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So I'm curious, why do you call yourself the anti-financial advisor? Please share. Oh, because if I were a financial advisor, I'd suck. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, most financial advisors, of course, have great hearts. They're good people. Um, but there is some truth behind the fact that uh, they don't get results, right? And that's kind of the big thing I focus on. Uh, take you back a little bit. Like when I grew up, I wasn't a big money expert. Uh, my the only thing my parents really taught me about money was that there wasn't enough of it, right? Although they taught <laughs> me some really good parents. values. Yeah, I know. I think we all have the same parents, especially if they were around depression era mentality, right? Yeah. You know, it's always, 
Hey, we can't afford this. You know, what do you think I am made of money and money doesn't go on trees, you know, and (laughs) all those kind of phrases you hear growing up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so anyways, that's what I was told. I mean, even my dad, he was the penny pinching saver. He would be like the guy that Dave Ramsey thought was the coolest guy in the world. I mean, my guy, my dad was cheap. Um, and he just said, save everything. And so when I got to adulthood, I said, well, I don't want to be like him where you're told to save everything, but then still don't have anything. So I went to college. I was going to become a business consultant, but I figured I shouldn't have real life business experience if I'm going to go and do that kind of profession. So I dropped out of college. I said, let's just get that real world experience. Then I can always go back and get my MBA. Well, the first business that came up that sort of intrigued me was becoming a financial advisor, not knowing that they take anybody off the street as long as you can pass a test and not have a criminal record because that's pretty much all you need to do. <laughs> if, if you can survive that, you can survive uh, you know, going broke by not selling anything or something like that, then you can become a financial advisor. So I did that for several years, never went back to college. And because uh, I, I love being an entrepreneur, I love having control of my own time, my own destiny, my own freedom, my own hours, you know? Yeah. But the thing is that it became very apparent to me that this may not be the best path, not just for me, but for all my clients, because- it was just, you know, after, uh, towards the end, right. After several mm-hmm. years of being a financial advisor, my dad reached out to me and said, when will you become my financial advisor? So all of a sudden the tables turned instead of him telling me how, what to do with my money. Now he's asking me what to do with his. Yeah. And so I sat down that same kitchen table. He was giving me advice from, we're sitting down. And I looked at his finances for the very first time in my life. I'd never seen it. He'd never been open about his money at all because he always thought it's somebody would try to rip him off. Right. Well, I looked at all his money. He'd been stuffing money in his 401k. He was completely debt-free, paid off his house early. He was like the poster child with what everybody, including me as a financial advisor, would tell you to be like. And then as I looked at his money, he said, all right, I'm 61 years old. I want to retire. When can I do it? I said, dad, if you want to retire today, you better hope you die in five years because that's how long your money's going to last. And he said, well, that's not what I want to hear. (laughs) give me something Mm -hmm. else. And I said, I don't have anything else because you did everything right. You, you stuffed money in your 401k, got your match. You paid off your house. You're debt free. This is everything I I teach people to do. And every other financial advisor for that matter. And I could put you in different stuff. Maybe you could go in the stock market here or there, but the truth is, is I can't predict the future. You might lose Mm -hmm. money. Yeah. And it left me in a really a big quandary because I realized that he was the guy that did everything right. And still he didn't have enough to retire even after decades of saving. Mm-hmm. And then it became apparent because the guy I trained to be a financial advisor that would now went and do real estate investing. I've been talking with him on the phone. He said, well, Chris, how many of your clients are truly financially free where they don't, don't worry about money? Well, none. They all worry mm-hmm. about money. Even the retired mm-hmm. ones, they always worry about li- outliving their money. Okay, Chris, way to go. Good job. Well, how about this? How many of you as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually doing these same investments your clients are doing? Because shouldn't you guys have it all figured out? And as I realized, there was over 100 guys in my office. Some of them had been working there since the late 1970s, yet none of them could retire. Hmm. And that's when I realized there was an issue. I had this integrity crisis. Not an identity crisis, but more integrity crisis, right? Because I can either put blinders on like some of my friends have done in the financial advising business. We put these blinders on and just keep working. Or do I leave that profession even though I'm at the height of my career? And so I chose the latter. I left. Mm. I said, you know what? I can't teach something that doesn't work. And especially is just a pipe dream, right? I mean, it's 
It's worse than people that say that network marketing fails. Well, guess what? Financial advising pretty much fails worse than almost any business model I've seen out there today. Okay. Um, so it, why would I keep teaching it? So I stopped doing that, but I ended up, I wanted to know how my friend did what he did. I wanted to know how there's guys in their twenties and thirties financially free. Yet I couldn't find a financial advisor financially free in their fifties, sixties, sometimes older. Right. So I was on this journey and then pretty soon as time went on, I actually was able to not just start to invest my money differently where I focus on cash flow and passive income, like investment passive income versus just working for money, right? And trying to right. set it and forget it as we'd always teach. I started focusing on passive income, much like Robert Kiyosaki teaches in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. As I started to do that, the next thing you know, later that year, 28 years old, almost 29, I was able to retire myself where I was work optional. I could work because I want to, not because I had to. Mm -hmm. I had enough money paying my bills. And that was a, a big awakening for me because I thought if I scrimped and saved and turn off the AC in the summer, turn on, turn off the heat in the winter, eventually I'd scrape together enough money to have a couple million bucks in mutual funds. And then maybe if I was 40 years old, I would be lucky enough and cheap enough to retire. <laughs> but yet I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to wait that long. And that's where, of course, everybody always asks you, How'd you do it? Right. Even yeah. though I didn't want to plan to teach about this stuff, I never wanted to teach about money again after I was a financial advisor. Um, I was actually going to teach ballroom dancing and do mortgages. That was my, <laughs> my, my career plan, but plans changed. And of course I realized that I had something special that I had learned something. And so that's what I do today. That's why I'm the anti-financial advisor. Cause I know that the way that they teach you how to do things with your money doesn't work flat out. It's a pretty, almost a hundred percent failure rate. And mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. I want to get people away from that. So the market goes up and down all the time, but the last mm -hmm. several years has been really crazy. Um, what's going on? Oh, the same thing always does. <laughs> it's, I mean, especially when you're talking about the, I mean, there's different markets, right? There's mm -hmm. like the stock market, you hear the real estate markets, there's commodity yeah. markets, there's, you know, currency markets. I mean, there's all kinds of markets, right? But the stock market is what most people equate to. Stock market, I mean, it's already overvalued right now. It is way, way too high compared to where it should be. Um, I mean, you remember Y2K, right? That's what kicked my dad's yeah. butt at first. Yeah. And there was the great recession right after that. I'm glad that at least he started to pull some of his money out of the stock market by then. Um, but then we had 12 years, really 13 years in a row from 2009 to 2021, 13 calendar years in a row that the market went up. Then finally, 2022, it went down 20%. And now it started to come back a little bit. And people are like, oh, well, it's over. You know, that one little down year. Well, sorry to say it, but historically speaking, it's usually five years up, two years down at least. So <laughs> we're way we overdue. We more to come, yeah. We got more to come. Like, I think yeah. what's happening right now is people are being faked out. I think there's a lot more losses that can happen. And it's only because of really a lot of feds printing a lot of money, pumping in the market. That's why 2020 and 2021 was so gangbusters for everything. It was the everything bubble. It's because they just mm -hmm. pumped all this money in the market that's really just fake, right? It's just mm. IOUs. And so that's why you're seeing this unpredictability and why people are uncertain. The problem is when, when things are uncertain and people don't know which way to change or which way direction to turn, they usually do nothing. Mm. And that's one of the most dangerous things you can do, right? That's, that's where I'm scared for people right now is because there's a lot of world of hurt. Heck, even the federal reserve says they want to hurt people. <laughs> they want to hurt Americans more to kind of force a slowing down of inflation. Well, that mm. requires job layoffs, right? That requires mm. banking to get tighter and things like that. It requires your life to become more miserable so that they can get it back to the numbers that basically, basically to undo the problems they created in 2020. 
that's that to me is just ridiculous. That just makes yeah. the normal average American the victim here to yeah. everybody else's decisions. That's why rich men north of Richmond, why that song is taken off right now is because people are fed up with this, but they don't feel like they have a voice to say anything. And it's true. Yeah. So what are the markets doing? They're doing the same thing they've always done to being manipulated by people that are have more money than you have. Mm-hmm. But there is hope. There is a way out. It just requires you to be able to move your money into a place where you have your own control. That's why I put my money more into real estate and not like buying my, you know, buying that property in my backyard, right? Nothing like that. I buy properties in places that actually are good, uh, even out towards your direction. There are mm-hmm. some better places to buy properties than there are out anywhere in the Western half of the United States here. Um, and there's ways, different ways to do it. I don't have to buy a property. I can actually go and do a partnership where somebody else does all the real estate investing and I lend them money and I get paid a contractual return of like 10, 11, 12 plus percent. You know, there's so many ways I can make more money than the stock market ever makes people. And, uh, and that's, that's, what's got me free. That's what's got many of our clients free as well over the last several years. Not thinking of the traditional type of real estate. I interviewed someone just the other day and they talked about as well that they never do the real estate deals in their own part of California because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to make them money, but uh, other parts, you know, researching the rest of the U S they can find places that they actually will get a great return. Yeah. And, and he, they also talked about the fact that, you know, you don't have to be that, um, that real estate landlord on site, fixing the pipes and things, you know, you hire somebody to do that for you that actually probably knows how to do it a whole lot better than you. Exactly. I mean, I've got properties all over like North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, you know, mm-hmm. places like that, where I have a management company do all that work for the properties yeah. I actually own. That doesn't include the fact that I invest in places where they're actually investing that money, right. Where they're actually putting that money elsewhere. I even have you know, ownership interest in, in oil land, right? Like mm-hmm. land that's being drilled for oil and gas right now. I have ownership interest in that. Again, I don't do anything. I'm hands-off. I am the literal passive investor. I don't right. actively look for properties to fix and flip, you know, all, all that hard work. Not saying that it's bad. You can make money doing that, but really it becomes like a part-time job. Yeah. And a lot of people I talk to, they're like, listen, I, I work hard enough with my job or with my own business I don't need something else. I want to still have time with my family too. Yeah. And so they want something that's a little bit more passive hands off where again, they can, they can, you have to have some level of trust and be able to vet people properly, uh, but be able to have that ability to say, you know what, I'm going to invest elsewhere. I'm going to put that money in somewhere else. Great idea. So you talked about passive income and um, you really stress that people need passive income. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know, that is the way, <laughs> but talk to us more about just why people need to have passive income. Yeah. If anything has taught you anything, it's 2020, right? Yeah. I mean, you remember with everybody being shut down, all the non-essential businesses, even yeah. if you're a business owner, that was one of the scariest times because all of a sudden you're told by the government when you can actually have your doors open or not or whether you're even worthy to have your doors open. Mm. That was a really interesting time because I know for me as a business owner, I always thought of me as, as someone who had that ability to call the shots, right? Like mm-hmm. I like, again, I like being in business. I think that's your number one investment anyways, yeah. but being able to have the ability to call the shots, be able to make corrections and adjust. But then all of a sudden when you're told to shut down, you know, now I'm not a brick and mortar business, so I was okay, but I had several clients, many of them like dentists mm-hmm. that literally were closed down for 60 days or more 
Um, I even had clients in Hollywood. Hollywood was worse and, and they're shut down again, right? Yeah. Because of writer strikes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'll give you an example. I mean, one of my clients that was in Hollywood, for example, um, with Louie, he, uh, I mean, he had just started doing investments and stuff with us in 2019. And by the way, we don't offer investments. We actually are more strategists and we're connectors. We're not investment mm-hmm. advisors. We more help connect people with those that, you know, like people I've invested with myself, right? See, we're so aligned. I call, I call myself a connector too. Yeah. Not with investments, but with, you know, opportunities and things. So very cool. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a huge value add too, when you can do that, because everybody's always saying like, well, where can I invest? Like I can trust somebody. I'm like, well, there's no guarantees in life. Anything's possible, right? Anybody could lose money anywhere, but here's people that I've invested with for years, right? Or here's people that I know have been doing this for 15 plus years. They've been through recessions and ups and downs. And so Louis started to do that, just that he started actually investing, you know, he bought some properties, he invested some money in, in lending money and things like that. And so he had streams of income coming in when Hollywood shut down, most of his colleagues, they were just frantic because they were never expecting that income, you know, that income type of faucet to, to all of a sudden turn off on them. So by the time that Hollywood reopened, they're frantically taking any job they can, even mm. jobs they would never take normally because they were just horrible conditions. They would take them. Louis didn't have to. Louis knew that he had about 80% of his, his expenses covered by his passive income. So he just had to have a good enough cash reserves, which we made sure he had a good emergency fund as well. He could have gone a couple of years and not worked. Yes. So by the time that Hollywood reopened, reopened, he had a place of power where he could say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to pick this job. Those jobs, yeah, I can make quick money, but they're going to work me to, to the, to the mm. bone, right? They're going to work me all hours of the night. I don't want that. I'm going to pick this job where I know it's a better, you know, better crew, better conditions. That's the one I pick. And I think that's true with anybody. I mean, I had another client furloughed in in New York. He was furloughed for over two years uh, where he couldn't work a job. And so luckily, again, we were able to take some of his cash, some of it from his old 401ks and IRAs, use that to go invest and then start paying him some income so that he was able to at least survive in the meantime, while New York was trying to figure out their crap. And eventually they did hire him back, although it did take two years. They hired him back. And now all that money he has, because he had enough money to replace his income or at least pay his expenses, now all the income's coming in is gravy for him. Now he can yeah. take all of that income now and just add it to build up his portfolio to create more and more passive income. So he's literally work optional. He goes into work only because he wants to, not because he has to. Perfect. And that is the goal that I think most people have. Mm-hmm. So why should you avoid banking on the stock market for retirement? And, and I also, I think the last several years have taught us this, my husband, it, we were going to buy a new house and then the stock market did what it did. And it was like, well, no, we're not, you know, and you're just like everything, every decision you make is what's the stock market going to do. Yeah. I think you answered it right there perfectly. Right. It's, it's almost like your life is determined based on something you have no control over, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, is the market going to smile on me today or is it going to frown on me to the point where mm-hmm. now I have to start saying no to the very things I want in life, right? Even if it's just basic needs sometimes. Right. Um, and that's and that's and that's what I learned too. I mean, if you look at the stock market, for example, the average return of the stock market is less than 8%. But unfortunately, almost any mutual fund you put your money into won't even do that. I know. So for example... Fidelity. I mean, and so I always tell people like, listen, like, cause people will say, well, Chris, if this were so bad, why don't we hear more about this? Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of money 
in, yeah. in these companies, Fidelity, yeah. Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch. You don't think these people have billions and billions of dollars used to preserve their integrity? Of course they do. And they're going to tell you, oh, it's, it's fine. It's just the way the market is. You're in it for the long haul. Set it and forget it. Don't even worry about it. Don't even look mm. at it is what they'll tell you to do, right? Which is the worst thing ever. Whenever you, you avoid looking at things, that's when you lose it. If you avoid your leadership skills, right? You avoid being a leader, you're going to lose your entire team. Yeah. You avoid your teeth, you'll lose them. You avoid your marriage, you'll lose it. If you avoid your money, you'll lose it too. That's how it always works. So they're telling you to not be a steward of your money, to just ignore it, set it and forget it. Hopefully it works out someday. But the problem is this, is that now they're blaming you for not saving enough. And they're doing this all the time. They'll always say, well, Americans just aren't saving enough. Well, here's the truth. Fidelity came out with their numbers. They have 45 million customers, right? 45 million Americans that put money in their 401k plans or IRA plans. Of those, guess what? I just got the numbers just this last week. Only 750,000 have at least a million dollars in those accounts. The problem is that people are still actually saving and a lot more people than just one and a half percent of their clientele, which that comes out to be, are mm -hmm. are max funding those 401ks. They're putting in like $20,000 a year only to find out they can barely have a million bucks. And then they did a survey of those people that had over a million dollars. 35% of them, over one third of those said it will take a miracle for them to be able to retire. A mm -hmm. miracle. The average 401k balance for the retirees, by the way, at age 65 is 250,000 right now. So if you're supposed to live on 3% a year or 250,000, that's 7,500 a year or about 600 bucks a month. You can't live on that. No. Even if you get up to a million dollars, even if you're the one and a half percent that happens to get over a million dollars. And by the way, they're almost, they're all pretty much all baby boomers and, and, and Gen Xers like myself. Um, I think it was 0.9% were millennials because they're, they haven't had enough time to really get up there by age 39. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, but even then, still, almost all of them are Gen Xers and baby boomers have been saving for decades. Yeah. Still, if they have a million dollars, a big portion of them think it'll be a miracle that they'll be able to quit because 3% on a million dollars is 30000 a year. No one can live on that really yeah. well. Uh, you might live on a quick, you know, very tight budget since you have Social Security coming in, but it's just not, a, it's not the kind of life you envisioned when they gave you those pamphlets and those brochures showing you that tan old couple sitting on mm -hmm. a beach, you know, with the little beach hat and then, you know, just, you know, perfect, you know, the perfect tan, by the way, uh, they look great for their age, of course, full head of hair, which I don't even have, you know, <laughs> like they'll show you those brochures saying this could be you, but yet yeah. again, let, you know, it really of that one and a half percent of a third of them, which means that means really less than 1% of those people think that they're going to be okay. That's a pretty bad success rate. Imagine if you went to Google, looked up a business that said, guess what? 99 out of 100 gave them one star, but there was not one five-star review. So you should you should do business with that group. No one would do it. <laughs> no, that's, that's my, for that's sure. That's the problem here. Yeah. So what's the best alternative then? Best alternative is to do alternative investments, right? It's to go away from the stock market. Uh, first, you, need, you do need to educate yourself a little bit because I'll tell you that the strategy is easy. For the most part, to make money passively, it's not hard to do. You can Google and find people that are willing to take your money. The harder part is getting educated and knowing who to trust, right? Yeah. That's what's most important is who to trust. You know, if mm -hmm. you go buy a turnkey real estate property, even if you own the property, you're not putting your money with somebody, but you own a property, still a turnkey real estate company, you want to make sure that they give you a good property that's rent ready, ready to go by the time you buy it. And maybe they even have a renter in place by the time you even yeah. close and sign on the documents. 
so that you have money coming in from day one. You know, you want to make sure you find a good reputable company. You know, that's, that's one key right there. Um, but uh, I think that's the thing you got to start looking at is looking at the other side where millions of us have already done this. We've, we've done it for years. Uh, it's not like we're not out there. I mean, I'm, I, I've, I, I wouldn't say I've been on every real estate podcast, but I've been on a lot of them and, and there's probably hundreds of our podcasts yeah. out there right now. So it's the information's out there, but it requires you to look at this differently. It requires you to reject everything you've been taught by the Dave Ramsey's of the world and the Susie Ormans reject that stuff and take a different path, which although yes, it's not, it's not uh, hundreds of millions of us doing it. It's maybe 10 million of us doing it, but we've proven and make it, made it work. That's, right. that's the big right. thing you want to look for. So a lot of us baby boomers and um, maybe Gen Xers, I don't, I don't know, but we took out life and whole life insurance policies whenever and some term and different things um mm -hmm. thinking that's gonna i know for me i had um at, i guess in my late 30s signed up for long-term life uh long-term yeah. care and it's and the policy actually was just bought out by another company that i had to go and fill out but i've been sinking money into that thing uh $250,000 plan all these years so, mm -hmm. um, you know, what good is that going to do me right now? It may not do you any good, <laughs> you know, especially if you buy things like for the death benefit, right? Especially term insurance. I mean, insurance companies, I'll tell you something interesting. I've worked with them for over 20 years. Insurance companies, if you think about the whole buy term and invest the rest, you know, buy term, invest the difference type of philosophy, you know, once you get to be in your sixties, then drop your, your life insurance and you'll, you'll just self-insure quote unquote. Right. Okay. It's, it's fascinating to believe, to think that it was actually the insurance companies that came up with that strategy. The real question is why did they come up with that strategy? Why did they tell you you should cancel your life insurance by the time you're in your sixties? Well, it's obvious, right? What happens to us statistically speaking after our sixties, we're yeah. going to die at some point, right? <laughs> They, so they tried, yes. they came up with this whole strategy and this actually started like the 1970s, but they, when they started creating term life insurance, for example, so they created this whole strategy of, you know what, we can make a lot more money if we get people to cancel their policies before they die, rather than keeping it their whole life, the whole life policy, for example, which is more expensive, but still it's going to pay out. And so they, they created term insurance and, uh, and any company you talk to, they'll tell you that usually it's less than 1% of all term insurance policies will ever pay out because you bought like hook, line, sinker to cancel it when you got older and too expensive. Um, and so, and plus it's like the one of those things that's just a someday thing. Okay. What if I die too young, which is great. It I've had, you know, clients and, and friends, even my best man at my, my first wedding. I mean, same thing. He actually died in a plane wreck when he was 24 years old. Wow. Um, fortunately we actually did. He was canceling his permanent insurance. And I said, well, you should at least get your term policy. And he got it just uh, less than a year before he passed away. I mean, so you just never know. There's no guarantees, but I like to focus on the here and now. So mm -hmm. I like to protect my family too, of course. But what if I can make it work for me while I'm alive? How could it, how can I make life insurance life insurance, not just death insurance? Yeah. Um, and that's where it requires a very specific strategy that's not taught by insurance agents out there. Um, they, you might have heard a term like infinite banking, something like that. But I'll tell you, most of those people that talk about infinite banking suck at it. <laughs> they're still insurance agents. 
they still tell you to put it away for someday for that retirement because it, uh -huh. it came from tax-free retirement and that's good. But the, the biggest thing that they don't tell you about or they just don't know about themselves because insurance companies won't teach you is you can actually get that money to start working for you from day one. You can actually, because really what it is, if you've ever seen whole life, it's expensive upfront, but then the costs get cheaper over time. So the payment might stay the same, but more and more money goes to this tax-free savings account. Well, what if you could lower the cost as low as you can possibly go legally to keep it tax-free? Maybe you can lower the cost of that policy. So it's taking less cash out of your, basically taking less cash out of your cash, but now you got more going into this tax-free savings account. So you literally have something that pays you better than 0.0% of the bank. It usually pays you at least five or 6% a year tax-free. And you can even use it today to actually go and invest with it and actually make money in two places at the same time. And that's something you can actually do with whole life if you set it up the right way, but don't go to that state farm agent, you know, Jake with his khaki pants and polo shirt, where he's trying to tell you this is going to work for you. He's not going to know how to do it. And even if you call up the companies themselves, they're not going to know how to do it either because they don't train their agents and they're not even agents. I should say customer service reps because they can't, they're not even life insurance licensed to tell you how to do this stuff. They'll just tell you here, you go find an agent or you just set up this policy and it, it's this much per month or per year. And that's it. You can yeah, actually set it up to where you can have low cost and have most of your money going into this tax-free savings account that then I can use to invest anywhere I want. In fact, I can blow it in Vegas if I wanted to. But the cool thing is, is I can actually make more money with it. I give you an example. If I did a real estate deal that I make 10% a year on, if I use my savings account, I just liquidate my savings account and I make 10% a year. But with my life insurance, I can get the insurance company to give me a line of credit against it. Kind of like a yeah, home I was going to say, is it like a loan almost? It's like a loan. Yeah. You can withdraw mm -hmm. money to like a savings account, but I usually recommend my clients to not do that. I usually recommend to do it like what I do, which is I get a loan against it. It's a loan, by the way, that has no minimum monthly payment. You can pay it back. However, whenever you want, it just has to be paid back by your death. And so if you die, they just pay it out of your death benefit and then give the rest of your family tax-free. Um, so, so loan, for example, go mm -hmm. ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, so the so loan for, is from, you're getting a loan from a, a third party or you're getting a loan from the insurance company. You could do either. You can get it from a bank or from the insurance company, but um, right now, because interest rates, insurance company is way cheaper. Yeah. Um, so it's a private loan. So you get a loan from them mm -hmm. and it's the same insurance company that you already have your money with. The reason they're willing to do that is because if you get a whole life policy specifically, that's guaranteed to always make money. It's, there's never a losing year with whole life insurance. They, they're guaranteed to give you at least a contractual minimum, usually of at least two, three, or 4% a year. So because they know that, they're willing to give you loans and now you have to worry about making you make payments because they'll just take that interest and just charge it to the loan, right? And you're mm. fine because um, your money's going to grow faster than the loan balance will. So mm. the insurance companies know this. And for that very reason, because you know you can make more money because of the tax-free compounding interest than what you're paying on the loan, guess what? If you borrow it, yes, they still charge you interest, but they're paying you interest on all of that money at the same time. So say that, for example, you have $100,000 in there and you want to borrow $50,000 to go do an investment. Well, if you just withdrew $50,000, your balance goes down to $50,000, you only make interest on $50,000. But if you have $100,000 and you borrow $50,000 from the insurance company, your hundred thousand is still in there earning, you know, five, six thousand dollars tax free. And they charge you an interest on that loan. Yes, they had charge you interest, but you're still netting a positive gain on that money. So then you can still go and invest in that 10% a year and then maybe make a 1% plus spread 
mm. on it from your insurance company. So you're actually able to make, instead of 10%, you're able to make 11, 12 plus percent a year by investing your money that way. Sure. So it's, it's kind of a cool strategy that insurance agents don't even know about. Cause I know because they often reach out to me saying, Hey, how do you set these things up? Cause I've never been taught that. And I'm like, well, cause the company won't do it. You know, there's very uh. specific companies that will do it and they'll do it really well. And there's others that just suck at it. So um, it's a cool strategy to use, especially if you're a business owner or an investor or both like I am. Um, it's a great strategy to be able to have control of your money, but still get more leverage out of that money too. Very good. So we're running uh, out of time here. We're going to go to the rapid fire question. So how can I find money in the current situation without having to create a new job or a business? Yeah, the greatest way to do that, well, besides taking your money and creating passive income, right? That's obviously the easy one. And that's mm -hmm. one of my the seven secrets to free up cash. That's one of them is creating passive income, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're in business, the other way to create more income is also to find ways to deliver more value. More value does not equal more time. You know, many people trade time for money. That's not the case at all. I'll tell you, for me, what got me to retire faster was I started obsessing over the question, how do I create a win-win, yeah. right? How do I get people what they want? Because before, when I was a financial advisor, money seemed like you had to be either lucky, you either had to exploit somebody, right? You had to mm. lie, cheat, steal, whatever, right? <laughs> it always Money always seemed mysterious and hard to get. And so because I was such a good person, I would, I would take one for the team. I would take less commissions so that, you know, somebody could win. But in truth, in the real world, if you want to win, the best thing you do is help others win. That's yeah. the easiest way to make business grow and improve. And so if you focus on how can you deliver more value, even if you're an employee working a job where you don't get to, you don't really get to say how much you make per hour or per year, doesn't matter. If you go to your boss and just ask, what can I do to deliver more value for the company? How can I serve you? How can I solve better problems? What can I do that would earn me a raise? And let them answer and then hold them to it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it seems so simple, but so few people do it. I had, I had one client who actually, um, he was worked for a, a large bank. I won't say the name of the bank, very large bank. Everybody had heard of it. And they had two positions for that, for a promotion. It would pay him an extra three or 4,000 a month. Wow. And so I told him to do that very strategy. He went and did it. And guess what? Next thing you know, he actually had those guys come back to him, said out of the hundred plus applicants, we picked you. And the, the only reason we picked you, you weren't the highest performer. It's because you were the only one that asked us, how could you actually earn this promotion? Yeah. And for that reason, we gave it to you. So look for ways to add value. That's great ways to do it on the income side. I would also just say briefly, because I know it's rapid fire and I just made it unrapid fire. Um, <laughs> track your money, you know, start tracking your money, you know, weekly if you can. Uh, use tools like Mint. Mint.com is a great one to use. Uh, it's just like QuickBooks for business, but it's for personal Awesome way to be able to use and leverage your time. Um, get rid of uh, unnecessary insurances like cancer policies. Anything from Aflac pretty much is probably unnecessary. You know, if you have those supplemental type things or things where you pay too much because you have too low deductibles, like on your auto insurance and things like that. Things you can do to free up money there. Um, you could also sell off crap. You know, get rid of stuff, declutter, clean out your life, and create more space. Clean out that garage, right? You know, clean out the storage unit, whatever it might be. Get rid of stuff, sell it, donate it. At least get a donation. Oh, key tip, you want to get double the tax write-off instead of just donating it to a normal goodwill. If you donate things like books or DVDs to a library, you get double the value. 
So you get um, extra value in your tax write-offs. Good to know. That leads to taxes. Taxes are another great strategy as well. I won't get into a lot of that, but there's a lot of things you can do. Like, you know, I even use my office where I don't pay myself rent on a per month basis, but I charge myself on a daily basis. Not to exceed 14 days a year, I get tax-free income from my company to pay for my office use like here right now, things like that. So, so many different things you can do to increase your cash flow and or your passive income too. Well, we'll just have to have another segment just on that piece alone. <laughs> Maybe around January or no, that's too late. We should probably do it in a couple of months. <laughs> Quite close to the end Prepare of the year, everything for, for Christmas money, yeah, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. All right. Well, it's time for me to share my screen. If you have been listening in and not taken notes, um, so sad, but go grab a paper and pencil right now, because if you're just listening, I will read the website information for Chris. And if you're watching, good for you, because you're going to be able to get a screenshot of all this information here. So Chris's website is https colon forward slash forward slash money ripples.com. That's money ripples.com. Facebook He's at Money Ripples, LinkedIn, he's at Chris Miles, but he tells me you can find it with Money Ripples too. Instagram, Chris Miles, Twitter, Money, capital M, Ripples. YouTube, he's at Money Ripples with Chris Miles. So you got it all there at Money Ripples with Chris Miles. Check out his YouTube. Um, he will talk to you a little bit about what he has as a passive income calculator. Take it away. Yeah, great thing. If you go to moneyripples.com, right there on the main page, you can actually find out pretty accurately how much passive income you could create in your own situation in the next 12 months. Uh, so it takes just a few basic questions it takes from your situation. Uh, again, we're not selling your list or anything like that. It's just really helping you gather all the information and then giving you those results at the end. It's pretty telling. I've had people that sometimes the number is negative because they don't have any savings and they need to start having an emergency fund. But I've had a lot of people that sometimes have tens of thousands, sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. that they could be creating that they're not creating right now because they just don't see it in their situation. So it's, it's a cool, cool little calculator to try out. You should definitely have fun, some fun with it for sure. Excellent. So thank you, Chris, so much for being a guest. You shared so much great information and I definitely do want to have you back to talk a little bit more about um, passive income and some maybe a little bit uh, on that tax piece that we all as business owners need to be aware of. So uh, absolutely, again, that would be fun. As always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nethling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nethling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.